0: Hello, welcome to noontime prayer. Glory to God. How are y'all doing? Awesome. Good, good. Thank you so much for being here. We, uh, are in 40 days of prayer and fasting and uh, we're meeting here at noon each weekday Monday through Friday just to prayer and to prayer to pray and to seek the Lord and uh, we just welcome you uh, we're over halfway now this is like day 23 i think and glory to God woo and uh, we're getting there right we and i'll tell you this uh, we are upsetting the kingdom of darkness and we are advancing the kingdom of light and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. So uh, I know that we're upsetting it because he's been retaliating. He's been trying to pull out his little tricks and junk and we're just not having any of that, amen? We are the healed of the Lord. We are strengthened and we're getting victories, victories that we can't even put words to because God is moving. There's breakthrough that's happening. It's We could feel it the very first week, just stuff was breaking off. And so, but now it, there is scripture that says, Says, and and I want to bring this up because I know I know people are dealing with this is there's scripture that talks about when the sower goes to sow the seed, right? It says this, the enemy comes immediately to to steal the seed of the word or to steal the seed of promise or to steal the nature and character of God out of your life. This is what the word represents, right? So if you're trying to go after God and all of a sudden you run into resistance, that's not the time for you to say, oh my goodness, look, I went after God and now I ran into all this. That's the time for you to believe what this book says about Jesus and believe what he says about you and to step in that thing, and instead of cowering away, you step up to it in Jesus' name, and you put it where it needs to go. Alright? That's what you gotta do. You don't play around. Look, the devil does not, he does not respect how much time you you read in the Bible. He doesn't respect how much time you pray. He doesn't respect how many good Christian words come out of your mouth. He respects the power of God. He moves at the power, and you've got to stand up to him. Resist the devil. The word says, you Resist the devil and he will flee. Right. So we've got to understand that when we humble ourselves to the Lord, this is what we're talking about. That's when we can resist the devil. So let's go uh, to James chapter four and verse six. And before we get going, Lord, we just thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this day to come together and pray and to agree with one another. There is power in agreement That's part of the reason why we're meeting, Lord. Lord, we want this church to be where you want it to be. Jesus, build your church. Thank you by your blood and by your name and by your character and your nature. Jesus, build your church like you said you would. Not only that, Lord, but we want to be closer to you. We want to be walking with you, not making excuses for it. That's why we're in prayer and fasting. That's why we're here. We're agreeing together that things will change in our families, in our personal lives, in our church, in this region, Lord, in our city and county. Things will turn in a godly direction. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it and we praise you for it. Thank you, Father, for giving us opportunity to come and worship you and to go after you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So in just reviewing uh, where we've been so far in this 40 days of prayer and fasting, We started out by talking about thanksgiving and entering his gates with thanksgiving and then entering his courts with praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. And then we talked about worshiping him, right? And our life is given as a life of worship. And that's how we stay in the holy place. Ultimately, that's what's happening while we do this prayer and fasting is we're saying, Lord, we need you. We can't do this life without you. That would be pride. Right. That would be pride. But we need you. And because of that, we worship you. So we come into your presence. How are we coming into his presence through prayer and fasting? This is something where Jesus said, not if you pray and fast, he said, when you pray. Pray and fast. And so we're saying, okay, we recognize what we need to be doing and we're taking the appropriate steps to get where we need to be. And so by prayer and fasting, we're entering in, we're worshiping Him, it's a part of our worship. But then we talked about consecrating ourselves, right? In other words, this is taking steps towards putting out the ungodly and putting on the godly. Then we talked about the difference between the holy and the profane and how the profane meant common. And our job is, our responsibility is not to bring the things of, the high things of God, which anything of God is high, and make it common, Right. And and we've got to recognize that and view that. And then we talked about how, you know, the benefits also. Uh, we talked about the benefits of fasting. We talked about how to fast, which that's what led into the consecration and the uh, being holy. Right. And so we're walking these things out and praying. And then Patty had a few lessons where she was talking about worship and what do we do and which one. Are, you know, I think one of them was what food. Uh, what was it? Uh, spiritual hunger. Yeah. What are you hungering for, right? Yeah, and uh, are you going after are you hungering for food, or are you hungering for the things of God, right? And then, then we started talking about um, what hunger, and we said, and that was really before you you did that. We talked about hunger and how important it was for us to hunger after God. I started to talk about humility at the beginning of this week, and the Lord took us right back to hunger again because hunger is so beneficial to us because those that hunger and thirst shall be satisfied or shall be filled, right? And then it tells us that the hungry hungry and thirsty soul will be filled in uh, Proverbs or Psalms, I believe it is. Mm, I have to go and look at it. Anyway, I think it's Proverbs. It says that we will be filled. No, I think it's Psalms. Amen. And uh, now you got to go look it up. Amen. You go look it up. And uh, so anyway, we're talking about and it showed that that hunger is that we crave, we crave the things of God. That we chase it down like a greedy prey. after, Like we are greedily after the things of God. That's the way it's talking about. And then it says, not just that you'll be filled in the sense of you'll be full. It means that you will be gorged to overflowing. That's the example of it. So how do we get there is hunger. So if we don't have overflow in our life, what's it a symptom of? If we don't have overflow then it's a symptom of really not being hungry, right? Because he makes a promise. If you'll get hungry, you'll be filled. So it shows us, and we talked about some reality in America, our society. We're truly not hungry. And part of the thing is because we have our needs met in other, other ways, right? I can, and I talked about in humility and hunger how it's important that I, I've found that the easier place to be hungry for God is when I'm in lack. It seems harder on my flesh to hunger after God when I start to have my needs met. Now when I had lack, I didn't think that was true, but once I started hungering after the Lord and He starts filling up those blessings, I found it harder to maintain, be diligent, not grow weary in well-doing, to hunger when the blessings started to flow. And so that's where we really want to apply that and we want to hunger after the Lord so that not only do the blessings keep flowing so that they overflow into other people, but He also wants us not just to have what we have, but he wants to continue to multiply that, to increase it in our lives. Well, that puts a demand on us and a responsibility on us to keep hungering. Well, here's one of the things that will lead you to that hunger. We talked about if you just if you start to get into like Psalms and see how great God is, all of a sudden you start to see that God is so good, that'll make you hungry for Him. The other thing is you stop putting things, you know, think about it physically. You know, we found out with fasting, you stop putting stuff in your mouth, all of a sudden your body gets hungry. Well, if we start, stop putting in spiritual junk food, we'll get hungry for the real. Right. A lot of times we're not hungry for the things of God because we've been feeding on all these things of the world. And all of a sudden we find out we're not hungry anymore. And what I talked about was I got to the point where I just realized, you know, we've had good fruit. Things are going great. But something's not right, Lord. Something's not right. I'm missing something. What is it? And it didn't matter, you know, let's say we got 10 people lined up. It didn't matter that out of the 10, I might have been the hungriest. I wasn't as hungry as the Lord counts as hungry. In other words, I could hunger after him more. And he showed me that when you start doing that, that's where you needed to be. And so when I started going after him in the first extended prayer and fasting, he said, you're not hungry. And I thought, my goodness. I just did a 40 day fast. What do you mean? I'm not hungry. You know, not only am I spiritually hungry, I'm physically hungry. You know, it's like I'm hungry. And but he was saying, no, you're not where you need to be. And, and what did that tell me at that moment? What did I need to apply? I need to apply humility because according to what I'm seeing. Right. I'm hungry compared to other people. But according to what the word of the Lord just told me, I'm, I'm not. And so I, at that moment, have to put on humility to allow him to show me the gap between what he sees and what I'm seeing. And humility is what opens up that gap. Humility opens up the gap between what God sees and says is possible and what we're walking in now. That's that and so humility allows us to grow. I wrote this down. Pride buries potential, humility multiplies potential. Let's look at James chapter 4 and verse 6. James chapter 4 and verse 6. But he gives a greater grace. So, not just g- grace, but there's a greater grace. How many people would like to just walk in grace? I would. But how many people would like to walk in greater grace? Man, amen. Well, how do we get into greater grace? Well, let's see what he says. He gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says he's going to define how it comes about. God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace. To the humble. So one of the things that the Lord showed me many, many times before is uh, it says that God is opposed to the proud. That means you have opposing forces pushing on each other. That means when I get in pride, I'm going to find myself pushing on the things of God. Who's going to win? <laughs> not me, right? God's going to win that battle. So if I find myself in pride, I'm instantly flowing against the Spirit of God. I'm instantly flowing against Him. That's not going to end well for me. So I need to stay away from pride uh, at all costs, right? But here's the thing about pride. Truth be told, pretty much all of us are walking in some level of it, and we're just not aware of it. Truth be told, right? Truth be told. But watch this. Here's what happens when we ditch pride and get in humility. It says, but God gives grace to the humble. So which one do I want to be on? Do I want to be opposing God or do I want God to be giving me grace and greater grace? Pretty simple. But it comes down to, am I in pride or am I in humility? That's what it comes down to. That means, here's the thing. How many things, we're we're going to talk about this today, how many things do you think that you're doing right? On a percentage, if you said, I'm doing, you know, 90% right, 100% right, how many things do you think you're doing right in your life? Like, like, let me ask it like this. Up till this point, you made that decision because you thought it was the right thing to do. Most people think that they're doing 100% right, for the most part, or else they wouldn't be doing it. They might have a few things they know that they're working on, but even those they believe that they're working towards in the right direction, right? So here's the thing. Here's where humility steps in, where it says, Lord, show me the areas that I don't have right, okay? Let's continue to look at this uh, He says, verse seven, submit or humble yourself, therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. So what's the prerequisite for the devil fleeing from you? Submitting to God, (coughs) humbling ourselves. That means there's got to be a change, right? We've got to have a change of direction. And he says, look, when you do this, resist the devil, he'll flee, right? Right? Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. What's the prerequisite for God to be present in your life? To draw near to him, right? Then he says this. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded Be miserable and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Now, we know from the full counsel of the word that the Lord wants to make our joy full. This is a part of the reason. So what's this talking about? That particular verse, people can see a verse like that and trip over it. But we know from the full counsel of the word, he wants our joy to be full. What he's saying is don't take joy in things of the world. Humble yourselves to give up those things and say, hey, Lord, anything in my life is yours. In other words, I'm not just going to keep, you know, uh, always on my bass boat fishing. Right. And I'm having such a good time that I forget about you. I need to draw near to you. In other words, sometimes what needs to happen is I need to come spend time with you, even though it may be boring to the flesh. But it'll be joyful in the spirit as I go along. And in other words, what he's saying is put down those things of the flesh that bring you joy and and get together with God. All right. Stop being fleshly minded is what he's saying. Stop being so what he's saying here is like our what we're talking about. When we have so much stuff in our life, like we're a blessed country in America. When we have so much stuff in our life, a lot of times what we do is we get so wrapped up in what we have. That we don't think about what we don't have in God, right? So a lot of times we're off, we're doing our family stuff, we're doing our fun stuff, we're watching a movie, we're doing all this, and we're putting God on the back burner. He's saying don't get so wrapped in, up in the joy and the, of worldliness that you forget what brings you those things, what brings you your supply, who is your provision, right? And then he says this, Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. He will exalt you. Humility is so key. God wants to exalt you. He wants to give you grace. But our job, our responsibility is to step into that place through the grace that we have is to say, all right, grace, help me empower myself into humility and walk humility out so that I can move into greater grace. Right. And then look at Proverbs 22, four. Proverbs 22, four. The reward of humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor and life. The reward of. Of humility, the reward of humility. this is a reward from God. God wants to reward you, and He rewards humility and the fear of the Lord, or the reverence of God. And those rewards are riches, honor and life. Humility has benefits. Humility has benefits, right? Let's turn uh, to Proverbs 29, a few chapters over. Proverbs 29, 22. 22, we might not like, but we're going to read 22 and 23. An angry man stirs up strife, and a hot-tempered man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, but a humble spirit will obtain honor. So again, a reward of humility and, and being humble is honor. But it says a man's pride will bring him low. And right before that talks about an angry man, right? An angry man stirs up strife and a hot tempered man abounds in transgressions. We talked about yesterday. Why? Why are people angry? Generally, because something didn't happen their way. And what is that? That's my way or the highway. I got it right. That's pride. That's pride. Pride. See, and then all of a sudden we enter in what's going to happen in pride. Opposition to the Lord. Pride will take us low, but humility will lift us up, give us riches, honor and life and grace and greater grace. Right. So here's the thing. We want to make sure that we stay in that place. You know, a lot of times you should really check yourself. The next time you're angry at something, you should ask yourself, why am I angry? And the answer is going to be for the most part. Because I didn't get my way. I didn't like how they did that. They shouldn't have talked to me like that. But again, that is, I didn't get my way. It all boils down to, I didn't get my way. Or, uh, you could be angry at yourself too. You know, I didn't do this right. You know, that could be something. But generally, it's, I didn't get my way. I wanted to be right, and I didn't. And what we're angry at is the fact that we missed what we wanted. Right? Right? We missed what we wanted. And that's just us being wanting to be the boss. Well, that's the nature of the flesh. You know? Now, you do have a righteous anger. You see, you see Jesus walking into the temple. He was angry, right? He was upset. Why? Because they had turned his father's house into a den of thieves, right? It's supposed to be a house of prayer, and they had turned it. They had had the wrong heart on it. They had made it common, right? They had profaned it. And here's the thing. What was he doing, though? He was backing up the things of God. It was different. So there are different kinds of anger. But for the most part, angry people are angry because they don't get their way. And that's pride. It's rooted in, I want my way. I want it to go my way, right? And let me, um, let's go ahead and we'll read this. And then I'll move to the whiteboard because I want to show you some stuff. Proverbs 18 turn back a couple of chapters, 1810, Proverbs 1810 through 12, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runs into it and is safe. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous runs into it and is safe. A rich man's wealth is his strong city. And like a high wall in his own imagination. Before destruction, the heart of man is haughty, but humility goes before honor. In other words, God is a high tower where you are protected and safe. But a rich man thinks that his money is his protection. And he said, the the Lord says that's in his imagination. He thinks that his doing." His gifts, right? I've seen worship people get up on stage and they think their gift is their thing. That's their protection. That's their thing. God gives every good and perfect gift. It's God the whole time. In Him is your protection, is your provision, is your source. It's not in your giftings. Your giftings came from God. And they will stop working if you step away from Him. You might still have some callings and anointings and giftings, but overall, they could take you here, but now they can't because they're somewhere else, right? And you might be using them for the wrong reasons, but even if somebody's gifted at making money and all of a sudden they have lots of money and storehouses and everything else, uh, this rich man thinks that his wealth is his protection. His protection is the Lord. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, that's his protection. So humility recognizes the truth of what's really going on. Who's the source? Who's the one who brings my protection? Who brings uh, provision? Who brings salvation? Who brings healing? Who brings restoration? It's God. It's God. It's God. I'm not bringing... We talked uh, last night at Impact you. We talked about... The importance that uh, in James chapter 117, it says that the Lord is the one who gives every good and perfect gift, right? So like if you look at my life, you know, let's talk about me for a second, right? You look at my life, if I have good gifts, who'd they come from? God. That's why when people, that's why when people just this morning, somebody, you know, sent me an email and they, they wrote something, there are like, you're awesome, and I was like, thank you, God is good. Why? Because I'm going to make sure that I humble myself because if I do something good, it's because he gave me the ability to do it good. Now, I may be in obedience. I may say, well, I need, you know, there's a difference between people that are obedient and people that aren't. The people that are obedient will walk in more of God's goodness. It's true. There, there's rewards to walking godly, right? But who gave me the ability to be obedient? He did. So no matter how you cut it, it all comes back to him. It all comes back to him. Now, look at this. Let's say that I have giftings in my life. Let's say that you think that I'm a good preacher or teacher or that I, I walk in love. Let's say you think that, right? I think I can improve, but I'm giving myself more to the Lord for that to improve. But let's say you think that, right? Then all of a sudden, what happens? Let's say that you think that I have those good things in my life. Did I add those things to Brian? No. God added those things. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there's no variableness nor shadow of turning. So listen, let's imagine that all of those good things were removed that came from the Father. Every good, every perfect gift, what's left here without Jesus No good. I'm no good without Jesus. But with Jesus, I can do all things through Christ. You can do all things through Christ. With Jesus, you have every good and perfect thing coming from the Father. And he wants to increase you. But that takes humility. It takes us stepping into that. So I want to show you something. I said pride buries potential. But humility multiplies Potential. Um, we talked about yesterday, and this is going to be important in a second, is what makes something good, right? And what really makes something good to us is if it's a little bit better than our average, than our average. If it's a, it really means it's better than our average, right? Average is average. As long as it stays a little bit above that, then we call it good. But good is relative to each one of us, right? Uh, use some finances. In other words, if uh, let's say, do you think forty thousand dollars income is a good income? Some people would say yes, but what about the guy making sixty thousand? Would he think that forty thousand is a good income? No. So one person would call it good, the other one would call it stinky, right? Then the uh, then let's say you've got a guy that's making ten thousand dollars a year. What would he call forty thousand? Awesome, right? So good is relative, and we need to understand that where you're thinking good right now, it's relative. And the more you know about God, the less it'll look good. Okay, let me show you this. This is uh, something the Lord gave me uh, a couple years ago, I guess. Let's just say we got this circle here. Now this circle, this represents every piece of knowledge that you know, right? This represents every piece of knowledge that you know. All right, so everything that you know, every fact, every detail, every truth, everything that you know is in that circle, right? Now here's the question, does God exist in that circle? Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's in that circle. He's on every piece of it. Why? Because he's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He, he, he's omniscient. He knows everything. But here's the question now. Does he exist only in your circle? No. No. If God exists, which he does, then certainly he exists. And he knows this is going to be a finite drawing of him. But if God exists, he absolutely exists outside of your circle. His knowledge is outside of your knowledge, right? He knows a lot more. Think about this. Let me just give you an example of this. Think about this. Every piece of knowledge on the earth, every, think about this. The wisdom to build buildings, right? Do you know how to do that? I don't, I mean, I got an idea, but I definitely would have one fall down, you know, probably 10 times before I got it right right now, right? I don't have that knowledge, right? I don't have that wisdom or that skill, but somebody does. What about building an airplane? What about computer science? What about, do you realize that? Uh, The Word tells us that everything was given by Jesus and for Jesus, right? So all of this wisdom, all of this knowledge, I mean, it doesn't take long. You can just go on Google and you just type in a few things. You'll find some stuff you don't know, right? And all of a sudden, so every, think about this, just in the earth, just in the earth, just in earth. Think about the vast wisdom that men have, that men have, Right? how to fly, how to build, the detail. Just think about the things we don't even know in the earth, like what's at the bottom of the ocean, right? There, what's, there's all kinds of details. There's species that still haven't been found yet. There's all that information. But just think about what men have already, right? And think, now every good and perfect gift comes from God. That means that God gave that wisdom to mankind. See, this would be a good representation of just the earth. The earth would probably be as big as this sanctuary if I drew that circle, that volume of wisdom compared to what we know in our head. But we're talking about God, so this is not proportionate. But at the very least, you can see that God has this vast wisdom and depth. And that's just talking about, that's just talking about what we know on the earth. Do you realize that the earth is one of nine planets in our solar system? And our solar system revolves around one star, right? One star, one star in the Milky Way galaxy, the galaxy, right? And in the galaxy, there are billions of stars. So how many planets are there? Well, if you just multiply it by nine, it's at least nine billions of planets. Think about that now. Think about all the wisdom that was on the earth. Now multiply that times nine billions of planets. God knows it all. But not only that, but that's one galaxy. There's billions of galaxies we've already discovered in the universe. God knows it all. All right, so you can see this is not proportionate right? That's just using physical things. Now let's move into spiritual things. All of a sudden it just multiplies, right? But I want you to see something. So this line, this represents everything that I know. This line represents everything that God knows, which really is going to be hard for us to define. But here's the thing, this line around us, it also represents our comfort zone, it represents, see, if we don't know something, that's when we get uncomfortable. That's when we get uncomfortable. Think about it. The first time your preacher talked about something that you didn't know about yet. And in your head, you went, mm, um, you know, what about that tongue stuff? You know, I, I don't know about that. Right. All of a sudden you went, uh, Why? Well, it crossed your comfort level because you started talking About something in God out here. It wasn't far beyond your knowledge, but it was beyond. You started talking about a little snippet of God that's beyond your knowledge. It's beyond your comfort zone. And here's the thing. If you don't don't open up yourself and humble yourself to the wisdom of God, you won't grow to take that in. It takes humility to increase that. But not only that, but isn't this where God exists, right? And, and what, does, what does the Lord say? He says, what does he do? He disciplines, corrects, exhorts those that he loves. Does he love you? Yes. Doesn't he draw us to him, right? So what is he doing? No matter where your comfort zone is, you're going to find that God is always drawing you out and causing you to grow. In other words, he constantly wants us to increase in knowledge. He constantly wants us to grow to know him more, to get to know him better. Can you see that? So what do we have to put on? To get to them. Oh Lord. There's some things I did not know. There's some things I did not know. I remember in Acts. You remember when they said. Are you baptized with the Holy Ghost yet? And what was their response? We've not even heard of such Holy Ghost. We didn't even know such a Holy Ghost existed. Right? In other words. Immediately. They're faced with something they didn't know. They had to, they had to say. Humble myself teach me. Right? Humility gives us the ability to grow into those things. But pride says, I know it all. Pride says you can't teach me anything. I talked about this last night. I remember it was one day specifically. And we had two miracles show up right here in the church that day. It was one of the first days we were in here. Somebody came in here. We started praying for people. I started praying in the Spirit. They basically grabbed their stuff and ran out the door, right? I remember, I'll, I'll probably never forget that day, right? And I'm laughing at it because what I'm seeing is, see, what most people want is when they got a problem and they need God to show up, they start praying then. But they haven't spent the time. They reject Him. Because it's something outside of their line. And that is complete silliness on our part. That you, don't, that you have limited yourself to only your knowledge. In other words, as soon as you cross my line, I'm out of here. And I, just, I laugh at that because that is a silly thing that humans do. And in the meantime, two miracles happen. If they would have stuck around, they'd have seen the power of God back up what was going on. But they didn't stick. How silly is that? That's crazy. That's a lack of humility. That's, that's somebody going, I know what's right and this ain't it. And enough to grab your stuff and head out the door. Instead of, look, my God is a big God. He does stuff all the time that I don't understand. And I let him continue to expand my mind. That's humility. That's what we're supposed to do to humble ourselves to him is to open up. As many times as I've thought in the past that I was right on something, I can't tell you how many times I've found out that was not true. Right? And good. Because every time I find out something I don't know is right, that opens up the ceiling for me to grow. Every time I find that this is incorrect, it opens up for me to grow in more and more knowledge of Him and increase that potential. We need humility. Amen? God's constantly drawing us. And let me show you, let's go here real quick and then we'll come back. Let's go to Hebrews uh, chapter 12 and verse 11. Found this scripture, it's one of my favorites now. Glory to God. I can't believe I don't have it highlighted yet. I got, my Bible's still fairly new. It's not yet all marked up. I've had it for a little while, but it's still fairly new. Hebrews twelve eleven says, All discipline for the moment seems to not be joyful, but sorrowful. So what happens to our flesh when God starts pulling us across that line? What happens to our flesh when God starts pulling us across that line he's pulling you across that comfort zone he's pulling you across that right our flesh goes this is not fun i'm sorrowful i don't like this at all and and here's what happens the lord takes his finger right he takes his finger and he goes up there's that issue right there may a lot of times it is in our minds you know it's like here's your issue right here and as soon as he puts his finger on you how does our flesh respond oh, yuck, I don't like that. No, that can't be true. (laughs) That can't be true. But yet it says all discipline is like that. And it's talking about in context on our flesh. And look here at the rest of it. It says, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. So God comes by the Holy Spirit, He puts His issue right, He puts our, His finger right on that issue. And what's He trying to do? He's trying to move us to a fruit of righteousness. And our job is to recognize He's crossing the line drawing us closer to him. And although my flesh doesn't like it, my brain may even be rejecting it. And my mind might not be renewed to that yet because it's, you're crossing my comfort zone. You're crossing what I know, Father. Yet I will humble myself to you. I will give myself to you and let you do what you want to do. Glory to God. And he says, and then all of a sudden, the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And the word says, now when is this going to stop with us? It's not because he disciplines those that he loves. This is going to be a constant process. So you might as well get used to growing. You might as well get used to change. You might as well get used to your flesh whining about it because that's the way it's going to be. But you can submit that flesh and you can grow at a rapid rate because God will empower you through his grace because humility will bring you the grace to get there. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Now, oh man. Man, man. do I leave this for tomorrow, or do I stay on it today? I think it fits today, so we'll do it today. So here's a question. let's We'll ask two different questions. We'll say in the church, uh, people that go to a church that's growing, and we'll say, people in the world, okay let's say that there's a line here of godliness and everything above the line is godly and everything below the, go- the line is ungodly, right? So we can rate it by percentage. And let's say that you've got somebody who does uh, half godliness, right? And half ungodliness, they'd be at 50%, right? And 50% would be above godly, above the line, 50% would be below. In the church... Let, let's just say first, in the world. In the world, how, what would you say your percentage is in your experience of people and their actions, their thoughts, their whole life is godly versus ungodly? In the world. Now I'll tell you mine, in my opinion, right? In my opinion, the majority of the world... In my opinion, after watching, you know, as nine years as a pastor, growing in the things of God, seeing different things in people, in the world, not in church, but in the world, I would say that the line is probably somewhere around 60-40. So that would be like the world. Okay? Okay? So they do approximately 60% of their things godly. Now, this is my estimation. There's no figures. This is just what I've seen based off of experience. I would say 60% they get right, and 40% is ungodly. Now, in the church, what do you think it is in a church? In people that are growing and trying to grow. And we'll use that example. I'll leave that line there, but... In the church, I would say it's about mm, probably about 20% ungodly and about 80% godly. All right, so we're going to let red be ungodly. Okay, so we're going to let red be ungodly and we're going to let blue be godly. So this is 20%. ungodly and we're going to say 80. We're just going to talk about the church. Oops. Let me do it in blue. I'm going to say 80% is godly. All right. Okay, now let's ask some questions. Okay, so now you see this. Now here's here's where we're at. Uh, Average churchgoer estimation, 80% of their thoughts and actions is godly. 20% is ungodly, right? Okay, now, what do they think they're doing? If that person had to tell me up to this point, were your actions godly or ungodly, how much percentage would they say? I would say somewhere between 95 to 100%, right? Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say that they're humble enough to recognize they don't have it all together, all right? So we've got about 5%, right? So right here, they think that this portion is ungodly. They think that this is correct. So you've got in that person, you have this much that they think is right. They think is okay, but it's not. And these are estimations, and I would say this is probably pretty close to accurate. Okay? They think that much is okay, but it's wrong. But here's the thing. Now, what would happen if they knew that this was ungodly, but they kept on doing that? Well, now you're talking about a psychopath, right? <laughs> they know it's wrong, but they do it anyway. Right. That's a psychopath. Most people are doing what they think it's amazing the people that i've had conversations with and they will defend you know they'll defend abortion they'll defend being racist they'll they'll defend all kinds of stuff like that thinking they're on god's side on it i mean they are completely convinced they're on god's side and you know some of those in the church some of them out of the church i mean they think that they are completely on god's side i mean you've seen people kill you know, for the sake of Jesus before. And these are, that's, psycho, that's psychopathic in it on itself. But even those people, they think they're doing the right thing. They've convinced themselves, they've fallen into a deception. Now, now watch this. Imagine your average churchgoer. So most people are convinced that they're doing the right thing. They're convinced of it. What is that? Pride, right? What happens to pride? It goes before a fall. And then people start wondering why they keep having problems. Because you've got this much stuff that you're sowing that's incorrect. It's really messed up. These are bad seeds that you're planting in your life. And then you're reaping the harvest of that. But you're not willing to change because you think you're right. Can you see that? Not only that, but here's imagine, you know, Imagine the dude of the world over here looking on, looking at this. Oh, look at Mr. Christian. Everybody knows his life's screwed up down here. Everybody but him, but he's so holy, he's so godly. So what kind of witness is this to worldly guy? It's horrible. What is it? It's hypocritical. This guy's, trying to be, this guy's trying to be all godly. He's trying to put on this front of Christianity. He thinks he's right because of pride 100% pretty much. And all of a sudden, everybody but him can see how off he is. And then he gets mad at God because bad stuff keeps happening in his life. Can you see it? See where humility or pride traps us or frees us? So, but here's the thing. Here's the trap. It's a catch-22. He thinks this portion that's wrong is right. He thinks it's right. He thinks he's doing right or she thinks she's doing right. He, so how do, you, how do you convince them otherwise? You don't. They won't be convinced until... They give themselves to humility. The only way, do you realize right here, they will not grow without seeing this. As long as they think that they're right, they will not grow. Matter of fact, what will happen is that will lead to more deception and they'll continue to go backwards. That's actually what will happen. And they'll fall into their own traps. And it's all based on pride. They will continue to go backwards until they open up and say, I could be wrong. I could be wrong is more than just a good chance. (laughs) I could be wrong is pretty much a given, right? In all of our lives, I could be wrong. Why? Because the word says in 1 John that if you say that you have no sin, it's talking about basically if you're saying that you you don't have the potential to miss it, you're already deceived. 1 John chapter 1 around verse 8, 9, and 10. It says you are already deceived. In other words, you're already in your own trap. And so, what happens is they continue to go backwards. They keep eating the fruit of pride. They keep wondering why. And look, this person's going to church. They're praying. They're probably giving some too. And now they're like, Lord, why does this keep happening to me? Because of a lack of humility and pride. See, the trap, the trap that I spoke of earlier is because they think it's right until they open up humility, they'll never see it. In other words, that person, a person without humility cannot advance. They cannot grow. And this look productivity is a language of the kingdom of God. Remember? He gave to the one person this many talents, that many talents. What did he want at the end? He wanted production. He wanted productivity. He wanted increase. He wanted growth. Luke 2.52, Jesus continued to increase in wisdom and maturity or stature and favor with God and man. This is a way of God. And without humility, we will stagnate and go backwards. The only way for us to, Not be hypocrites. To have a good witness, to grow and get better is to get in humility. But think about this. As soon as we step into that humility, listen, used to, I hated being told I was wrong. Oh my goodness, I hated it. I still don't like it today, but in my my flesh, (laughs) but used to, I hated it. But now I've realized something. I've come to the realization that when I see that I'm wrong, I just took the cap off of where I've been. Amen. When I recognize that I've been wrong, I just realize that now I can turn that, change that and I can get it right. And now my potential just broke through the ceiling. I had a ceiling, I had a cap, but now I can move up to that place. That's what humility will do. It will break the ceilings in our life. That means here's here's one of the main things about humility. Here's one of the main things about humility. I could miss it. I'm not planning on missing it. I'm planning on hearing it better, but I'm not above missing it, right? Even, even if I've heard something really, really strong from the Lord, I go and, I'll, and, and look, I may, I may know that I know, and I may move on that. But when I'm talking to somebody else, I'll say, look, I can miss it, but I believe this is what he said. Why? Because I understand. I still got a flesh that's trying to get me off track. I still got a flesh that responds when God puts his finger on on that issue. Right. I still have a flesh that I'm dealing with until I have a glorified body. I still got that flesh. Now that flesh out by faith, it is not going to get in the way. But I understand that it's there and it can deceive me. It can get me off. But I'm believing God that that won't happen. But I humble myself enough enough to know that I don't know everything. And because I don't know everything, I have potential to miss it. And so I, I constantly open myself back up. So this is what I do personally. Well, that probably won't be dark enough. This is what I do personally. I take all of this, 100% of my life, and I check it and double check it time and time and time again. I am not opposed to going back and checking something. I'm not opposed to checking doctrine, right? Recently, I had somebody that challenged me on tongues, uh, not in a bad way, in a very good way, but they were like, they wanted to know more. They were hungry to know more. They wanted to see it more in the Word. I took, look, here's what I did. I took the whole doctrine of tongues and I, I threw it out. I completely threw it out, went back into the Word, started reading through it like I was reading it for the first time again. Because here's the thing, if it's God today, it'll be God tomorrow, right? Right. It's obvious that it's in the Word. That's obvious in there. It's obvious that God wants us to have it. There really wasn't much question. But I took and I double-checked to make sure that my past had not formed some of my knowledge And I humbled myself to say, let's go to the word like it's fresh and new, because if it was God yesterday, it'll be God today. I'm not worried about it not being God. Either it is or it isn't. If I can bring question to it, then I shouldn't have believed it like that in the first place. But what I generally find out is when I go back to it, because I've done this process for a long time, all it does is just strengthen me more and more and more and gives me more and more in those things. And that's what will happen. You'll just continually push this ungodliness down and you'll just get stronger and stronger but you got to give yourself judge yourself so that you're not judged it's very important to be unbiased with yourself the majority of problems that i see in people is because they judge other people but they don't judge themselves with the same standards they won't look at themselves with honest eyes so we got five minutes left in this hour so lord we just pray Lord, help us to see your humility. Help us to see what we need to do. Lord, help us to see areas of pride. Lord, we desire. We desire your humility. We desire to put on humility and to grow. Lord, we desire those things. Thank you, Father, for your goodness. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father..
1: Lord, we just come. We come before you. We ask you, Jesus, that you would help us to come before you with that humility, that you would help us, Lord, to check those areas of our life, even the ones that we think... Well, I've already looked at this, and I know I know this is right. Help us not to have that pride. Help us to recognize the pride in our own lives. Lord, we come before you. We come before your throne of grace, and we thank you that you love us. Lord, we thank you that you love us enough that you're going to show us areas where we need to bring correction, that you're going to put people in our lives that love us enough that they're going to help us to see the truth, even though it might be painful, even though it might be uncomfortable to our flesh. Lord, that we're going to pursue you with everything. Just like Pastor said that your word says that when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. So let us hunger, let us come after you with that full, passionate pursuit of your knowledge and your truth, knowing that we are limited, knowing that we don't know it all, knowing that your ways are higher and your ways are better. Lord, help us to seek that with everything within us. We worship you and we praise you, Lord. We thank you that you are so good in Jesus' name.
0: Yeah, thank you, Father. Father, let us be a church of humility. Let us be a people of humility. Let us be families of humility, Lord. Let us be families and a church and a body and a region, even, Lord. Let this region walk in grace and greater grace. Let this region walk in grace and greater grace. Let this region walk in grace and greater grace. Thank you, Father. Let us be known as a church of humility, a church that humbles ourselves to the Lord. Lord, it doesn't humble itself to the world and its thinking, but a church that humbles itself to your word. Lord, we understand that some people might not understand that. What we want is in your eyes for you to be able to call us humble, for you to be able to call us, uh, call for more grace in our lives, Lord. People may see that right; they may see it wrong. We may see it right; we may see it wrong. But Lord, what we want is for you to see it and say, "This is a humble group of people. This is a humble body. This is a humble region, Lord." And let me pour out my grace on it. This is a humble family. This is these are humble people. In Jesus' name, Lord, let that humility roll over us. Let that humility overtake us, Lord. Let Let us find it and let us walk in it and let it not just be something we preach on and let go, but Lord, let that humility be something we grab a hold of and make ours. Thank you, Father, for your humility, Lord. Lord, I just ask you for everybody that's watching, Lord, I ask that the seeds of this humility would jump inside them, Lord, that they would see the importance of it, that they would see the need for it, and that humility would be there, Lord. I ask that humility would grip them and grip their lives that when they go to make a prideful statement or action, Lord, all of a sudden humility will rise up in their, in their uh, shield of faith and say, nope, this isn't humble. This is pride. This isn't humble. This is pride. Put that down in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for it. Thank you for opening up our eyes to pride versus humility and strengthen us with all might that we might walk in it, Lord. We praise you for it. We thank you. Glory to God. Neda Lukodevlan, Lokodiv Gurakanini, Kanda Korikara Basodra Kalini, Lemos of La Clod, Jemostofara, Vastavati and Rotanov Laklotin, Lemes to Galemasov, Yetene, Yetini kuda. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Yeah, right now, you know, this is something that needs to happen. I invite each person that's here and each person that's listening. This is something that needs to happen when it comes time to turn the tide from pride to humility. Is you recognize that I've been in pride. You recognize that we've been in pride. And you say, Lord, I I repent. I apologize. I, I am sorry to the place where I turn. I'm sorry to the place. I don't just have sorrow because I got caught or because it calls me bad problems, but I have sorrow that leads to repentance. I have godly sorrow in it, and it will change me. I will not be the same prideful person again. Father, I come before you, I confess pride. We repent, Lord. We confess pride. We repent of that pride. And Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. And by faith, right now, we know that we have your forgiveness because you are faithful and just, to forgive us when our heart connects with that repentance, Lord. And Father, we just thank you for forgiving us and strengthening us and moving us into those places. Lord, in Jesus' name, right now, anybody whose heart lines up with that, just may every one of those sins of pride be forgiven now. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father, for your forgiveness. Yeah, I just felt the release of that. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your release of the sins of pride Completely wiping it away as far as the east is from the west. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Glory to God. Thank you, Father, for your goodness and your mercy. Thank you, Lord. Amen, 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 amen. Glory to God. Well, thank y'all so much for being here. Thank y'all for watching. Uh, As every day, the Lord's instructed us to uh, take up an offering and to bless it. And so if you're giving online, there should be a link that you can uh, click on. If you're here, you can put it in the basket. Wherever you're giving in the name of Jesus, Father, we just receive your tithes and offerings on behalf of you and your kingdom, Jesus. And Father, right now, this represents people's lives. Let it be pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall men give unto them? Let the seed be multiplied into a full, exponential harvest. In Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day. We love you guys. And thank you so much for being here. Thank you for watching. Bye bye.